mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Tough week in the Ryan Kutstra household. But first of all, welcome to Telling Everybody Everything, my weekly podcast, which is a day late today, kind of early, depending on how you look at it. If you'd ever like to write me a letter, slag me off, ask for advice, that email address is tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. We have been neglecting the animals since Fred was born. He demands 24-7 attention. I mean, maybe he doesn't demand 24-7 attention, but we do give him our full attention all the time. It is not a sustainable way to raise a child. We would like to have more children. People ask me on tour all the time, Catherine, will you be having any more babies? And I have to explain to them, I've learned that's not up to me. If the universe allows it, of course, I would like to usher more souls onto this burning planet. But I mean, you just never know. I don't know. I hope so. But if I'm going to have more children, I can't raise them like this. It just doesn't really work. You cannot have a 60-hour work week and bring your kids to work all the time unless you're Stella Creasy. I just have found it, you know, blessed. I'm very privileged. I love my life with Fred, but... What if I had another one? Then Fred would just be kicked to the curb the way the dogs have been kicked to the curb. I feel so badly. We need more balance in our house because Violet, of course, still needs our love and attention. Violet really made me laugh this week because, I mean, I say she needs our love and attention. Not that much, though, because I put in all of this work in the first two years of her life. I think your brain is pretty much finished. Well, it's not finished growing by that point, but 80% of it is developed by that point. Violet is very self-assured, very calm, very confident, very happy, very independent. But she said to me this week, oh, we got to get one of those subscription services. I said, what subscription service? She said, one of those chocolate-covered strawberries subscription services where chocolate-covered strawberries come to the house weekly from a local, you know, chocolate-covered strawberries marketplace. I said, Violet, no one subscribes to a week, by week, dozen chocolate strawberries. That is reserved for like a sexual golden anniversary or like Valentine's Day for newlyweds, maybe a honeymoon. No one eats as many chocolate-covered strawberries as you do. The child is living in the lap of luxury. She thinks chocolate-covered strawberries are just like a routine, everyday snack. And God bless her for it. I mean, if you can get your kids to uh, have antioxidants, vitamins from fruit, Dip them in a little Nutella even. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I found a place that does chocolate-covered strawberries near us. Well, I don't know if they're near us, but they deliver to us next day anyway. They're called Edible Blooms. I found some other companies, but so far, I really like them. This is not an ad for them in no way. I, I don't like to do ads. And you know what? I really It really pisses me off when PRs send me products to my home address. We just received something today. I don't even know how this PR got my home address. Fiona probably gave it to them, or maybe they sent something before. I'm not pointing any fingers, but I feel like if someone sends me something for free, nothing's for free, and I like to 
pay for things because I can afford them. If I wanted it, I would go out and buy it. I would still probably put it on Instagram if I liked it. But when it's sent to me against my will, first of all, I don't like stuff. I'm not like a clutter person and I don't really, I don't need anything. And then I feel an obligation to post about it. But what if I don't like it? Then I can't post about it in good conscience. A lot of you know that I only do ads or recommendations or sponsorships with products that I actually think are good. So if you just send me something random and I'm blindsided by it, I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. And I know that you might be like, oh, you don't have to post about it, Catherine. But then like, what do I do? Call up the company somehow and pay you retroactively for the package your PR sent to me? It's like, it's messy. But anyway, found these strawberries, love these strawberries. The dogs have been depressed since Fred was born. Maybe you have the same situation in your family. I did a previous podcast episode called I Hate the Cat. That still rings true. That cat gives no fucks whatsoever. We try to keep Fred away from cat hair at all times, meaning we wash surfaces, disinfect surfaces, hoover every day. We have this industrial mop for the downstairs hard floor surfaces. We clean and we clean and we clean. This cat because of the dog's walks along countertops. And now she's decided that she would like to sleep in the spare room. Well, that's the room that we lay Fred on the bed after his bath. It's just got the best bath. It's the warmest room. So now we have to put a towel down to make sure that Fred never comes into contact with any cat hair. He has occasional eczema. We don't really know what's causing it. We thought he had allergies. Now he doesn't have allergies. Some people are very chill about their child's eczema. They're like, it's my seventh baby and kids just get it sometimes. Cream them up. But I mean, I get quite weird about it. Ah, So I lay the towel down for Fred's bath. I give Fred a bath. They come back. Is the cat not sprawled all over this fucking towel? So yes, the pets have taken a backseat and the cat especially pisses me right off since Fred was born. The dogs are sad. And we thought that Manny, that's the oldest of our dogs. It's my Yorkie. Um, We also have Dolly. Some people ask, where are your dogs on social media? So Dolly is the eldest. She's the Tibetan Spaniel. Manny is the Yorkie. He's just a little bit younger than Dolly. Then we have Megan, Meg Ryan. She is the Shih Tzu. She's like, how old is Meg? Like seven now? Six? And then the cat is around seven or six as well. Megan and the cat are the same age. And then we just got Cardi about two years ago, two and a half, three years ago. Um, Dolly has gone to live with my ex because Dolly really likes my ex. We see her sometimes. He was lonely in the lockdown. So if you don't see Dolly on Instagram, she's back and forth between us. And she has a great time there. So that's all good. Currently, though, Manny is my dog. He's always been my little favorite. Dolly always liked my ex. Manny always was my little lap dog. And a lot of Yorkies are like this. They just like connect with one person. A lot of them hate kids. Different Yorkies have different personalities, of course, but the general stereotype of the breed rings true most of the time. And Manny has been sad because, you know, I have to give all this attention to Fred. There's not room on my lap for Manny because Fred is with me 24 hours a day, as I described, unsustainably. But then the other day, Manny all of a sudden looked swollen like a balloon, like a blimp. Trigger warning if you don't like hearing about dogs getting sick, Jen, but don't worry. Spoiler alert, he's fine. But he was swollen and that caused alarm in the house. I was about to leave for work and I just looked at his body. I was like, oh my God, when a dog's abdomen is swollen like that, noticeably, then there's a problem. And I'm not a doctor, but I know that fluid in the abdomen 
is a bad sign. I know that there's going to be a blockage there. Will that be like from a a stick that he ate or will it be tumors? God forbid. Will it be, you know, his kidneys or liver aren't processing fluids correctly? I don't know, but I just knew it was a bad, a bad scene. So I called the vet. I said, it's an emergency. He's super swollen and he has been very low energy lately, but I thought he was just sad. Cardi was sad and we put her on antidepressants, which I mean, talk about a privileged animal. We got Cardi some therapy, put her on the antidepressants, and she perked back up. We also had her spayed, which was delayed because of lockdowns. It wasn't one of the dog surgeries that was being prioritized. Fine. Cardi's back in good spirits. Megan is too stupid to have feelings, really. She's just happy-go-lucky Megan all the time. But I thought that Manny wasn't sick. I thought it was just he's getting older and he's kind of sad. Now he's swollen. Oh, shit. So Bobby rushes him to the emergency vet while I go to work. And they ran several tests. They said, we have to keep him in for the night. We have to send some blood samples away. We need to take a sample of this fluid and send it away. In the meantime, of course, I did what everyone does. I Googled it, and it always looks grim when you do that. I thought for sure, oh, my God, Manny has had some type of tumor, stomach cancer, intestinal cancer growing. And I prepared myself mentally because it feels like every time I have a baby, I lose my best dog. Manny died when Violet was six months old and he got quite sick while I was pregnant. But again, I was taking him to the vet. I was taking him to this vet in Crouch End, whom I've had words with because I feel like he should have been diagnosed with what he had, which is called hydrocephalus fluid on the brain. Um, But that vet did x-rays and scans and was like, it's a mystery what he has. And then it was diagnosed by another vet who said, it's very clear from across the room what this dog has. What the fuck was your vet doing? Not able to diagnose this. And I felt like that vet was responsible for my dog's death because I could have treated it if I'd caught it early. I have said so to this vet and he totally refutes like his own negligence. He's like, well, brain tumor is really hard to see. I was like, he didn't have a fucking brain tumor. He had so much fluid on his brain that his little brain was basically, you know, nowhere for it to go. Anyway, we lost Biggie and that was one of the hardest losses in my life just because I just love that dog that was my first dog my university dog he was only five years old when he passed and it was hard for me but luckily I was really busy with six month old Violet so I was distracted enough that I didn't you know check into a freaking rehab center because that's how sad I was like it was a type of grief that I'd never experienced before and then I thought all right well Fred's eight months old the same is gonna happen with Manny now I went to work, I like carried on with the day and I said to the vet, just call me whenever and I was preparing myself for the worst, smiling, laughing, trying to get on with my professional day and the vet called and said, I think what Manny has after a quick cursory scan and blood work is this intestinal disease that we do see in Yorkies sometimes where there's inflammation And the intestines don't absorb a type of protein that they really need. And then the blood vessels are kind of flimsy. 
plasma leaks through and it's this plasma that's building up in the abdomen. So the protocol for that, we would need to do a biopsy to confirm that that's what he has, put in a feeding tube to get him loads of extra nutrients, give him B12 and this multivitamin for the rest of his life, put him on steroids for the rest of his life, and it is treatable, and you can have a really good prognosis with it. We think it's that, but we have to do another scan for cancer, and I was like, oh my god, let it be this. Long story short, more scans, more tests. It is that intestinal thing. So Manny, like me, has an autoimmune disease. And I'm no doctor, I have to always say, because I give a lot of medical advice. But I believe this is not proven. I mean, maybe it is proven. It's not really. They can't prove this. But I believe from my own personal experience, anecdotally, that autoimmune disease is exacerbated by stress. The book is called The Body Keeps Score. I feel like when you're anxious and you're stressed and you're sad, there is something that happens where your immune system turns on you and attacks healthy organs and cells. That's not to say that every sick person is sad. That's not to say that if you are, God forbid, diagnosed with leukemia, it's because you had a bad day. I just feel like if you are genetically predisposed to autoimmune conditions, Your best bet is to be as calm as possible and as happy as possible. I really think it's all related. I think it's like a holistic thing with your body and your mind. I mean, I don't know, but I need to work harder on making Manny happy. So right now he has a feeding tube, which was inserted surgically. It's like in their neck and then it goes into their esophagus and you have to use a syringe to put food and medicine in it every few hours. So I've been doing that for a few days, giving him all these different things. But when I went in, that feeding tube looked way too big. And they were showing me how to dress it and clean it and how to use it and everything. And I said, I don't, you know, Manny is so tiny. He's two kilos. If you don't live in the UK and you weigh things in pounds, I don't know how many pounds he is, like one, two, three pounds. He's so small. He's like a bag of sugar which is exactly one pound. So I don't know how much he weighs. He's just like one of the tiniest dogs ever. He looks bigger than he actually is on social media in pictures, but he's so small. You could just hold him in one hand. And they put this feeding tube in and I go, that looks really uncomfortable. I think like he's supposed to still eat other food and there's apparently room in his esophagus for this feeding tube and him to swallow actual food. And the doctor's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And I said, I don't know if it is. And, And she goes, well, you know, we do this feeding tube on cats what the fuck are you talking about? You do this. A cat. I have a cat. Cats are like minimum four times bigger than Biggie. Biggie. Oh God. Biggie's dad. Manny. Four times bigger than both of my favorite dogs. Four times bigger. So you're not comforting me. Oh, we do this on cats. That's like, oh, I'm about to have sex with you. I see your giant penis and I go, "Uh oh, I don't know about this. And you go, don't worry. I've fucked many rhinos. Huh? Oh, I just don't think it's comfortable for him. And the tube is also way too long. I said, can we shorten this tube? They're like, no, no, that's how it comes. So I have to basically, like the little hose that sticks out, I have to wrap that around him multiple times and tape it all to his body so that it's not dangling behind him like an extra tail. He's only small. Why don't they have feeding tubes for small things? Oh, we intubate cats. Cats are massive the fuck are you talking about? And he's so small that they've prescribed him different pills. He has to take a few pills like three times a day, one pill once a day. Uh, He has to be fed like five times a day. 
And this one pill on the instructions, it's like, give Manny one sixteenth of the pill four times. These pills are so small, I can hardly see them. So Manny and I, like a fucking breaking bad lab in the kitchen, are crushing up these pills and trying to split like one tiny pill into 16 parts. I feel like Paris Hilton tried her best to normalize the teeny tiny dogs that shiver and piss from their eyes, but the medical community has not caught up. Is there a hamster dosage that you can give this dog? Because it's a long road and he only has to have this feeding tube, I think, for about two weeks, hopefully minimum 10 days. But I mean, already he's better. The steroids and the vitamins have started to work. I think his uh, abdomen fluid was drained, but it was a rough week. What's today, Thursday? All this kicked off on a Monday and we just thought we were going to lose him. So I'm very grateful to the vet. It's not the vet's fault that stuff doesn't exist for teeny tiny dogs. And I think I offended him actually because he said, well, Manny, we'll need this surgery. We're going to try to do a biopsy. We might not be able to get to the lower intestine um, through his mouth. They weren't going to do a surgery surgery. They were going to go in, you know, in, in, un, wait a minute, invasive, non-invasively through his mouth, just sedate him. He's like, yeah, we might find some cells. We might not be able to get deep enough. And then I said, well, no offense. Uh, I think you're great. But could we transfer him to the Royal College Hospital for Animals? Like, it's the best of the best, and it's in Hertfordshire. Could we transfer him there? And he's like, oh, no, no offense taken. I'll, I'll refer you. He rings me back. He's like, they don't have time to take him today. And I said, I trust you implicitly with the surgery. Please go ahead. Just because... You know, he's a great vet. I don't know what I was thinking, thinking, you know, oh, I'll just send him to the best of the best. They know what they're doing. Vets are great. But I almost pulled out my celeb contacts. I almost DM'd Mark the vet. I almost DM'd Super Vet. But I thought, Catherine, give respect to your local vet. He knows what he's doing. And he did a great job. It's not his fault that they don't have smaller feeding tubes. But fuck, Manny looks really, really annoyed, really uncomfortable. He pees now like a thousand times a day because we're filling his stomach with all these nutrients and you have to flush the feeding tube. It's a thing. It's a whole big thing. So, I mean, treat your animals well. Make sure they're as happy as they can be. Otherwise, they will potentially be at risk, more risk of developing autoimmune disease. I just feel so bad. Manny is essentially me. I think in the future, I'm going to have to treat him like the little purse dog that he is. Put a jumper on him, get my little pink bag out, and zip him up in there and take him on tour because he's my dog at the end of the day. He likes to be with me and he hates Fred. <laughs> Fred's not even big enough to like bother him and scream in his face and pull his ears like a lot of kids do. Fred's very gentle and we keep him away from the dogs largely, but Manny is just like, why has this infant come into our lives? Oh, so that's what's been going on with us and we've been really sad about it. And I don't like being sad. You know, I'm looking to the future. It's a bright future. We're very lucky that he didn't have any tumors. He's going to get better. Thank God. But I found that people, you know, and I don't want to talk like a like a pensioner, but this especially younger generation, I, it feels to me like they get off on identifying with some sort of sickness or sadness or problem. Because time and time again, Molly May, or on this occasion, Kim Kardashian, will say, ladies, work your ass off. My advice to business people is get up, work your ass off, work harder. And the internet explodes. And women go, 
well, easy for you to say, Kim, I didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. I don't have rich parents. I wasn't given a store to manage with my sisters. I am a single mom. I'm raising five kids. I have one arm. I'm struggling. I'm on the poverty line. And I feel like now we've become accustomed. And it's really great that we're inclusive and we try to make spaces accessible for everyone. But the reality is, you know, that's all well and good. And it's great to move in that progressive direction. But the reality is, is that no statement can be made that applies to everyone. If you are already working as hard as you can, what Kim Kardashian says about business doesn't apply to you. Someone wrote me on the podcast recently some advice about Fred's eczema, and she said, hold my words close, consider what is meaningful to you, and discard the rest. And I feel like that's the caveat for every statement that I make, every statement that everyone makes. It might not apply to you. Don't be offended if it doesn't. Well, how can Kim Kardashian say this about me? Because I don't come from money. I'm working as hard as I can. Oh, well, then she's not talking to you. She's talking to other children of wealthy parents or other people who are asking her, oh my gosh, how have you done it? She's not the only kid in Hollywood who had a store given to her or this or that given to her. She works harder than a lot of people in her own family who were given the same exact starting point. When she gives this advice, get off your ass and do some work, she's not talking to like a disabled single mom who's escaped an abusive relationship on benefits. She's not suggesting that you're lazy. She's talking to fucking Courtney, who's like, um, I hate work and I just want to hang out with my kids and eat kale. Fine, Courtney. And that's the other thing. Courtney, by her own measure of success, is more successful than Kim. And it's fine that we all measure success in different ways too. Kris Jenner and Kim Kardashian, they want to be moguls, entrepreneurs. They want to have many businesses. They want to make billions of dollars. And they would like to have a thriving family life as well. Of course, they love their children. They love their family. They want to look a certain way. They want to wear a certain type of clothes. And they want to get up at 5 a.m. and work. Courtney's measure of success is different. Courtney wants to go on holidays with her partner. She wants to spend loads of time with her kids as an attachment parent. She wants to micromanage what food everybody eats. She wants to drink matcha tea and harvest organic, you know, fruits. I don't know. And that's okay that her measure of success is different to Kim's. But when people with Kim's same goals, ask Kim for advice, then she can look around at her peer group and say, yeah, a lot of you don't work as hard as I do. And I understand where Kim's coming from because I look around and there are a lot of people who don't work as hard as I do. And of course, I don't mean the ones who have all of these struggles ahead of them. I see that there are single parents putting in shifts in factories, you know, the the system is rigged and they'll never be able to buy a house and too much of their tax money is taken and they don't have adequate resources for even like health services. I see that, but it doesn't mean that I can't still give advice from my personal experience to people who started out at the same line as I do or who, you know, are more like in a position of privilege. I see so many people in a position of privilege who just coast on that. I've had so many young girls working for me in the past who like, oh, I can't come. I don't feel good. My nail hurts. I have to go to a hair appointment. I see that all the time. 
And I also see people who go, oh my God, Catherine, you're so lucky. Like, how did you do that? All right. Well, if you're asking me, I'll tell you how I did it. And that doesn't mean that that path is available to everyone. And I don't mean to disrespect people who have it harder than I do. I just think you'd be a lot less angry and like hurt. I don't want people's feelings to be hurt. It's not that I want Kim Kardashian to be right. I just don't want your feelings to be hurt. If you're doing everything you can, then she wasn't talking about you. Like chill. Not every space is going to be for everyone. Not every statement is going to be for everyone. Even something really general like believe in yourself. That doesn't apply to everyone. Because maybe you are like a narcissistic psychopath and you're like, do you know when I hear voices that say that I should burn down the library, if I believed in myself a little bit more, I blow up the post office. I shouldn't believe in myself. The final um, horrific family update that I don't have to share, but I've decided to is that after 38 years of life, some of you might remember in my first Netflix special, In Trouble, I discussed uh, an incident where a former love interest said to me, you have one of the top four assholes that I had ever seen. That's a huge accolade. This man had seen many an asshole. I described in the special that, you know, but until that point, I didn't even know that men looked at assholes. I've never, I don't think I've seen a man's asshole. Uh, I just assumed, I don't know what I assumed. I didn't, I didn't understand that they could see our assholes. But look, mine, I, as I'm told, is one of the best ones ever in the whole world. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. I've had two children. Nothing bad has happened to that asshole. And the other day through, uh, I don't know what, neglect. I don't know how it happened. I really don't. But I got a small hemorrhoid. It shocked me to the core. No, I'm not constipated. No, I'm not doing this. I don't know what it is. I'm sitting on a lot of hard floors, I guess, at music classes with Fred. Like, I'm sitting on the floor to play with him a lot. Uh, maybe I'm just getting older. Maybe it was the steroids that I had to take while I was pregnant with him. Maybe it was childbirth and I didn't realize because, I mean, there was some trauma to my ass in childbirth. Yeah, there was. Or after childbirth. I don't really know when it happened, but... Suffice to say, if you're still listening, then you won't mind hearing that my ass bled for eight weeks on and off. And uh, just out of nowhere, I have this little hemorrhoid and I thought, what the fuck? Of course I showed a picture of it to Bobby. Of course I did. Because I don't know what a hemorrhoid looks like. And I Googled it and it looked like that's what I had. It was, it's not like, some of them on Google though look really scary. Mine was just like a tiny little skin colored thing, bump. And I said, what the fuck is this? Bobby said, oh, you have a hemorrhoid. And then he said, I should put you in touch with a friend of mine. He gets hemorrhoids all the time. He can really advise you on how to deal with this. And I always thought that Bobby was a very intelligent man. But why would I want to be put in touch for help with hemorrhoids from a man who, quote, gets them all the time? Sounds like this is the last person who should be helping me treat a fucking hemorrhoid. He is my nightmare. He is what I hope I don't turn into. Why would I ring him up? Hey, hi, you know that persistent issue that plagues you? Well, since you experience a lot and obviously have never figured out how to fix it properly, I was thinking I could use, I could tap into your expertise on the subject. He needs to be calling me. This hemorrhoid enthusiast, ass like a freaking punnet of grapes, 
He needs to call me because I've been alive for almost 40 years, hemorrhoid free, and I slipped up. And I don't know how it happened, but if you fucking mark my words, I'm going to get the best of this best on the thing. <laughs> I can't even speak. The best of the best on this thing. I am never going to have another hemorrhoid again. Guys, you be careful. You be careful. Yes, I drink a lot of alcohol and coffee. I exclusively drink alcohol and coffee. Pointing me in the direction of a man who's known for his hemorrhoid problem is not the help that I need. I want to talk to someone who's been hemorrhoid free. This is what happens with anything, anything that I ask advice for on this podcast. I'm like, oh my God, Fred has eczema. What do I do? And people reach out. They're like, oh, I've had eczema all my life. Let me tell you what to do. No, let me tell you what to do. Sounds like you haven't cracked it, babe. Is this my life now? I think the best thing for us to do now is take a break. Listen to these words from our sponsors. And when we return, I will open the letters and give you advice. Hopefully on subjects that I have already conquered. For starters, it is worth addressing my vision problems. So many of you have gotten in touch in emails to say, Catherine, this flashing vision that you're experiencing, it's called Aura, A-U-R-A, and it often accompanies a migraine. It's really serious. Uh, My mom had that and her retina was detaching. Someone else wrote me to say that their retina was detaching, but they caught it early. So luckily they fixed the tear. Listen, it sounds actually super serious. Um, So thank you for the health advice. I will go get my eyes checked. I take this lupus medication that's meant to be bad for your eyes anyway. So they're like, side effects may include blindness. And what? I remember pointing it out to my doctor being like, excuse me, blindness? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that won't happen to you. Uh, I'm going to check it out. Thank you. I'm actually going to this place, I think, I feel, well, I'm doing like early uh, investigations. It's called Echelon and it's in Harley Street in London. And it's like this full health profile. They do all these scans. They check your heart and they ultrasound your breast tissue and your ovaries. And it's, it looks like what like rich businessmen get to make sure they don't have heart attacks. I don't know. Again, not an ad, but I heard about it and I feel like... If you happen to be able to do such a thing, then maybe you should do it, especially when you're like riddled with autoimmune disease like I am. So I feel like I'm going to go there and I'll get my eyes checked while I'm there if I can. Thank you for your advice. I love when listeners give other listeners advice because what happens when I read your letters, 
is some, most of the time, there'll be someone from your field or your area of expertise, like, or experience who will say, oh, I listened and I was motivated to tell this lady what I wish someone had told me or tell this guy, like, what I wish I knew when I was his age. And I really love that. This is an email for the young woman who was saying, oh, my partner's 34, I'm 22, he wants me to have a baby right now, but I want to go to medical school, can I do it all? And my instinct was, no, I mean, yes, you you can do it all, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Sounded like a hard thing. Um, this uh, email has been answered now by a doctor, a woman doctor, a lady doctor, And she has said, Catherine, I am a 33-year-old female doctor in the U.S., and I can give this 22-year-old woman some realistic advice. What does she prioritize most in life? Does she want to be married to this man and adhere to his timeline, or does she want to be a doctor? Because if it's the latter she wants, she needs to pursue med school now. This field only gets harder the older she becomes. So does thong modeling, apparently. One thing to consider if she chooses to be with this man and have a baby while simultaneously pursuing medicine is that med school is a self-selecting group. Everyone there is as smart as you or smarter. Medical school is basically a job. You will study or be in class for 10 hours a day. You will study the hardest you have ever studied, only to break average in your class year. That will be the reality for a majority of young aspiring doctors. Being distracted and not studying your best is not an option in med school. There are people who fail. If she gets pregnant and has a baby now, she might not be able to give that 100% concentration that med school requires. My 200-person class had exactly two women who got pregnant during med school, and both had to take a year off because the newborn is just so much work. This 22-year-old listener needs to understand her reality. Even if she gets pregnant, she will either have to be near family who will do the baby care, or her husband, or he can hire a nanny. Either way, she will have to be okay not being an active part of this baby's life for a long time. Is she going to leave clinical rotations to take her baby for a pediatrician appointment? Of course not. These are all mundane things that she'll miss out on. After med school, three to five years of residency is even worse. You take 24 to 30 hour shifts at the hospital routinely, and you're expected to study at home while working these crazy shifts because resident doctors still need to take tests. Her husband will need to do the bulk of childcare. This is just the truth. If your 22 year old listener is okay with possibly needing to take a year off between years in medical school and have her husband take care of the baby or hire a nanny, etc., she can have a baby now and still pursue medicine. Either way, she's making things much harder for herself if she has a baby now at 22 as opposed to waiting till she's 30 and done with her training. I'm 33, finished with all my medical training, have an established career, and I'm getting married next year with hopes to have a baby within the next six years. Your 22-year-old listener can still have a baby before 40 without giving up on her dreams. Her 20s are the time to dig in her heels and study her hardest to achieve her dream of becoming a doctor. She mentioned in her email that she doesn't want to be a stay-at-home mom, but if she has a baby now... That is what she risks becoming. Very sage advice. How does anybody do it? You know what? Come to think of it, I don't appreciate 22-year-olds emailing me because we're not all 22. I can't go to medical school, babe. It's too late for me. Think about me. Think about my experience and how I fit into your narrative. Just kidding. Not every problem, every email, every statement a celebrity gives is for everyone. Um, I appreciate that this woman cares about you enough and wants to see you succeed in your career to give you this real talk. It's basically what I said, but without knowing. I just kind of sensed it would be shit. 
but this woman is telling you, Ugh. And, and you know, we're always leaving the door open. Maybe you are okay with your husband looking after this baby and you being gone for that many hours a day in this baby's life. A lot of people don't have the option to be near their baby all the time. But if you do have the option, this woman is saying, consider taking it. Consider waiting a little while. God, I, I wonder how, how your husband would feel about kind of rushing you along a bit if he actually realized that it would mean him doing the bulk of the childcare. I wonder, I wonder, but thank you for this letter. Thank you for listeners caring about listeners enough to compose advice like this. Whoa, I'm not going to use the C word because a lot of people don't like the C word. But this letter is called, My Dad Keeps Calling Me a C Word. Um, let's, let's say like Chianti, like the wine. My dad and I have had an up-and-down relationship my entire life. It definitely got worse as I got older and began to really understand that he was a narcissist with a bit of a drinking problem. Anyway, our cycle goes like this. We're not speaking. Then we slowly start speaking again. Then he gets irritated or drunk or probably both and sends me rage texts where he calls me names, threatens my inheritance, which I could care less about, and is just generally horrible. Oh. The last two arguments ended in him calling me a chiante. I've always been a chill, pretty easygoing kid who never caused my parents major stress. I'm now 34 and he's 69. I have my own baby, and since he was born, I've decided I just can't tolerate this abusive nonsense anymore, so I've blocked my dad from my phone. Half the people I know will say things like, you can't choose your parents, and the other half are like, cut him off, he does not deserve a relationship with you. My mom, who's my bestie and has been divorced from him since I was two, is in the latter camp. Do you think the parents should be given as many chances as possible, or do you think if they're horrible for long enough, you have a right to cut them out of your life? Ooh, I feel like your language is very interesting there because you're asking me about your dad's rights in this situation. Like, should he be given chances? Should he have chances effectively? But then you're asking about your rights too. Do I have a right to cut him out? And the reality is, like, it's not for your dad's benefit or for his rights that you should keep him in or out of your life. I always feel like when you're dealing with your own wellness and safety and mental health and also the type of people that you let your son be around, those people don't have rights. Like, don't think about your dad's right. Like, oh, does he deserve many chances? Because he's the parent and you're the child. Even if you're 34, he's the parent and you're the child. So if he's done things to destroy your relationship or to make you feel attacked or unsafe, and that is, I think, what the feeling is when you're dealing with an alcoholic or a narcissist, someone who uses abusive language to you, it's not about his rights. It is always about your rights and your son's rights you know as his mother so it's like is it going to be damaging for you not to have your dad in your life because for a time when I was really young I drifted apart from my dad he wasn't doing things like your dad by the way I just you know was a teenager and then we drifted back together and we're very close friends now and I actually feel very lucky that I have that relationship with my dad in my life I can't imagine, you know, if my dad was like an abusive alcoholic calling me, texting me these rage texts. 
I don't know that I'd be grateful to have him in my life, but it's about what you can stand and what benefit it's going to be to you. Will you miss having that context in your life, knowing that you can pick up the phone and call your dad during his good moments? And do you have a right? Again, it's about your rights. Do you have a right to cut him off? Absolutely, you do. You need to make a decision now because you're the mom. You're the parent in your new adult life now. You need to make a decision about what tools you have for the people around you. Do you have the tools to navigate a narcissistic, verbally abusive alcoholic and still feel good about yourself, feel safe, feel happy, be a great uh, mother to your son, be a self-fulfilled woman. Maybe you do and it doesn't bother you really that much and you want to keep him around. But if you don't, then of course you have the right to set boundaries and say, no, you know what? No, I don't hate you. I wish you well, but I can't deal with the way that you treat me sometimes. It's too damaging to me. So this is my boundary. It's got to stop. No more. And then maybe your boundary is I'll send him Christmas cards. We'll we'll write letters once a year or twice a year. You know what I mean? But in terms of rights, does he have any rights to have a relationship with someone that he is habitually verbally abusive with? No, he doesn't. So if you want him in your life, have him. But if you don't, it's, he doesn't have any rights to you. And if you feel like you need permission to cut someone like that off, of course you do. You know, you're, you're the grown up now. And you got to set boundaries that are going to keep you safe so that you can be the best parent that you can be to your son. I have a chapter about letting go of my auntie and my book. And she's not a bad person. I feel like there's a difference between giving up and letting go. It just got to the point that I was like, oh, you know what? This doesn't serve me. There's been too much with the alcoholism and the abusive language from time to time. And no offense. I love you. I wish you the best, but I can't, you know, uh, navigate this interface any longer. And those are my boundaries. And I really think it actually inspired people around me because that auntie had been treating a few people in my family in ways that have been very emotionally damaging to them. And other people in my family went, oh, wait, yeah, do you know what? We don't have, we don't owe this toxic relationship any more attention. We, we can't do it. So if you want to read about that, my book's called The Audacity. You don't have to buy my book. Though the other day, I think it was like 99 cents on Kindle or something. But anyway, long form answer is in the book. Short form answer is boundaries. Oh my gosh, Catherine, am I going to be single forever? Catherine, I'm 25 and let me stop you there. No. If you want to be single forever, maybe you'll be single forever. But if you are basing forever on your experience now in the first quarter of your life, you should be single now and not imagine that this is going to bleed into forever. Your brain is still growing when you're 25. I mean, it's going to stop like any month now growing and then just it'll get smaller. But your brain is still growing right now. You're still putting things in your basket of who you are and like being free and traveling and learning stuff and testing out boundaries with yourself and with your friends and are you going to be single forever most likely not it would be nice but I think you're going to have a few relationships some bad ones and some really good ones coming into your life very soon and hopefully your basket is full enough and your self-esteem is high enough and your self-worth is bulletproof enough that those relationships are not with people who wish to take advantage of you and your time She goes on, 
I like to get my thrills from drinks at the weekend, listening to your podcast, and dating. I've tried and tried over the years to stick with one person, but nothing seems enough. I'm constantly chasing something new and exciting, or going back to old and exciting flings just for the thrill. Am I going to grow up and settle down, or will I be single forever, still playing all the men in my care home aged 87? Well, listen. Nothing wrong with playing all the men in your care home, aged 87. I heard that STIs are quite prevalent in care homes because the people don't use condoms and they fuck each other. So, you know, a lot of these people got married really young, younger than you. And then their spouse died due to like a high sodium, low vegetable, high animal protein diet and no exercise. I don't know. And now they're single for the first time and like, holy shit, let's fuck everyone in the care home. But you're going to do it backwards. You're going to sow your oats and have loads of fun right now. And then when you're established, you can choose to examine your patterns and be like, all right, but now what do I really want? You shouldn't feel guilty for wanting to do what you're doing right now. As long as you're being honest and upfront with everyone and not hurting any feelings, keep doing what you're doing. I don't know if your friends are in meaningful, monogamous, long-term relationships or what is making you feel like you're doing the wrong thing. But honey, you are doing the right thing. A lot of my friends got married really young and a lot of them are divorced. There's nothing wrong with being divorced, but it is complicated for you if you have to do it. It is a last resort. It's very messy and hurtful. So hopefully you're, you're being safe and you're being kind You should fuck everyone you want and drink responsibly, often, go out with your friends, and then write me again in 10 years. What the heck? This one looks tough. So listeners, I'm going to need you to look out for this listener and write me what you think you should do, because I don't know if I'm even going to have the best advice. I've, I've had a cursory glance. It looks really tricky. Catherine, this is urgent. Shall I pay someone to fuck off? When I saw this email title, I thought, yeah. But now I'm looking at it and she's attached a photo and everything. Dicey. Catherine, I'm 25 and bought a house after getting out of a toxic relationship. How did you do that? Well done. It was a tear down to the studs and a rebuild house. So I lived 13 hours away while it got remodeled. I hired a carpenter to help with the work and he seemed great. Spoiler alert, he was shit. He was lazy as fuck. And we later found out from neighbors he would come and do one, maybe two hours of work and bill me for eight hours of work. Jump forward and drywall's going up. Yay. Took five months to get there. Dickwad shows up to supervise the drywall guys, something he was not asked to do, nor was it needed. And then he tried to bill me 3600 for it. I mean, either pounds or dollars, she doesn't say. For the hours and tried stealing materials from the site. Well, he went and put a lien on the property and is nailing huge plywood signs with my name, address, and phone number all over town calling me a scam artist. I'm a single mom and I'm exhausted and I don't necessarily have time to fight this, but also I'm sick of people taking advantage of me. What would you do? Police have banned him from coming on my block since he was harassing me so badly, but I need proof he is the one hanging the new signs despite me having this picture of him hanging them to charge him for the signs all over town. What the hell? And she's attached a photo of this guy and he's driving around in a truck with lots of signs that have this woman's name and phone number calling her a scam artist. And here's a photo of him like putting them up all over town. He's got a big ladder and everything. What a fucking weirdo. How does he have time to do this? Look, 
I understand where you're coming from. Currently, we have an unpaid bill. And I'll tell you why. God, this is a long story. We have a smart home. And there is one supplier of all the smart home electronics. This supplier, uh, you have to be trained. You have to be not just an electrician, but they need extra training to know how to install this type of electrical system and then, you know, be a technician of it. And it requires lots of maintenance. One of our bedrooms is like a tropical rainforest. It's hot as fuck. None of our lights outside work. Sometimes the burglar alarm goes off, which is great that it goes off when the cat trips it or something or the door isn't shut properly, but then we can't turn it off. So it'll just be going and going and going until we call this man to turn it off. He has been, he's the one, the electrician I told you guys about in a previous podcast who used Megan's little stairs and he stood on them. Obviously they're for like a teacup shih tzu, not for a man. So he crushed them in 2000 pieces. He put holes in our wall that he wasn't supposed to. I like him a lot, but he does spend hours at our house trying to fix things and they don't get fixed at all cut forward to I ring this company and I'm like listen we're trapped in your system because we have this electronic system the guy can't fix things in it we can't even use one of the bedrooms because it's hot uh what do we do like can you send us a new technician and they're like nope all we do is manufacture the stuff I'm like all right well I think it's being installed into too many homes and then there aren't enough people to maintain it because we are limited to this one guy if he's asleep and our burglar alarm's going off like we're fucked till the next day it's just like a whole thing anyway Today, right now downstairs, there's a man from a different company um, who's trained to work in this specific equipment, and he's found loads of like very easy fixes. He's like, this valve is broken. That valve's broken. Here's how you fix this. Already the room is cool. He's fixing the lights out back, and he had to hunt around for this stuff because our last guy installed all of it, so he should have known where it was. Long story, the last guy has spent so many hours at our house without fixing anything that we do have an outstanding bill with him. But Bobby was like, I'm not going to pay it because we've paid you thousands and you don't fix things. So we got the new guy who proved, you know, like it can be fixed. We're pay- I don't know. But now I said to Bobby earlier today, well, I think we have to pay this guy because you can't just not pay someone. If they think they're entitled to this money, they're going to put signs up about you all over town. And I don't want a reputation as someone who doesn't pay their bills. Of course, I know that, you know, this shouldn't be paid. And of course, you know that this drywall carpenter scam artist shouldn't be paid. But at the end of the day, everyone has their own perception of reality. He feels like he needs to get paid. Obviously, he feels very strongly because your guy is putting up all these signs. Look at him driving around in this truck with a huge ladder putting these signs up. So what are you going to do? Because you're, you're trapped between like principle, what you know is right, and not letting yourself be taken advantage of, and like just pay to make it go away. But as a single mom, like a, I mean, a 25-year-old single mom at that, I don't think anyone has 3,600 either pounds or dollars to spare. I don't know. I think my instinct says have a meeting with him, strike a deal, and say, look, you want to get your money. I don't want signs put up about me all over town. The reason I haven't paid you is not because I'm a scam artist. It is because I've been told by neighbors that you were logging eight hours and only doing two. It is because I did not ask you to be present for the drywalling and you're billing me for all those hours. So let's make this go away. How about I pay you a grand? That's what I like intuitively I think is the right thing. Because I'm sure he doesn't want to be driving all over town with these signs either. But I mean, 
Ultimately, I don't know. I assume there's like a better business bureau or you could go down this road, but you don't have that kind of time. So listeners, this is the first time I've been actually stumped. This gal and I are currently having a similar problem. I mean, this our electrician's not put signs up around, but he might be slagging me off. What do we do? Because no one wants to be scammed or scam anyone else. We all just want the best for each other, don't we? So please write me an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. If you have your own problem that you need help solving, get in touch. I'm on tour tonight in Basingstoke. Tomorrow, or is that tomorrow? Tomorrow's Basingstoke. Tonight is like worthing? Working? Worthing? And then I'm in Cornwall on Saturday. Let me tell you something, Truro. That better be sold out. Because I'm doing a 10-hour round-trip journey in a car that day just for you. If I get to that theater and you are too drunk and you've fallen asleep or you're in a bad mood or you start a fight with someone or the theater is not completely sold out, I'll tell you this, I'm going to be personally hurt. I'm going out of my way to come see you, Truro. And then next week, I'm in Milton Keynes, Landuno in Wales, if I've pronounced this wrong. It's probable. And uh, then Bromley Hastings. And then I go to Scotland. So thank you for those of you who've come to see me on tour already. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Um, Thank you for helping each other out on the podcast. It's just so wholesome to see. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com